we have, I think, done a masterful job of uh, navigating what has become a very seller-friendly market. Uh, you know, it's, and I'm sure that's good news for the investment banking side of side of the world. Welcome to the MBBI Trends and M&A podcast. I'm Greg Finn with Whipley Corporate Finance Advisors, your host for today's broadcast. Today's guest is Derek Golnitz, Vice President with High Street Capital. High Street Capital is also an MBBI sponsor. Welcome, Derek. Please introduce yourself and High Street. Thanks, Greg. It's great to be here. Um, High Street Capital is a 25-year-old uh, Chicago-based, operationally focused uh, middle market private equity firm that primarily partners with management teams to invest in and help grow their businesses. Um, High Street is currently investing its fifth fund, which is an SBIC, and we'll get into that a little bit later, uh, that was raised in 2018 at $165 million in commitments. Um, for new platform investments, uh, we target companies in the outsource business services, niche manufacturing, and value-add distribution sectors, uh, primarily based east of the Rockies, uh, and usually generating between $3 million and uh, $12 million of cash flow. Uh, we tend to invest at least $10 million at, at closing um, and can invest both mezzanine debt and equity, uh, but a strong majority of the capital we deploy is, is equity, and we always lead with equity. Um, we look to support strong management teams and are typically the first institutional capital uh, invested in our target companies. Um, we will structure our transaction proposals to help meet uh, sellers' objectives, including uh, investing non-control equity when, when appropriate um, and reserving debt and equity headroom to accommodate follow-on investments uh, for capital projects or, or add-on acquisitions, depending on, on the growth plan that we develop with, with our management teams. Uh, we currently have a team of nine. Uh, consisting of uh, five investment professionals who primarily source and execute transactions. Um, we have three operating partners who uh, primarily manage our active investments, and we'll get into that in a little more detail. Um, and we have one CFO who's basically our utility guy, holds everything together. Um, and uh, all of us, um, we're particularly proud to note, um, are investors in our fifth fund as, as limited partners. Terrific. Um, I, I come from a pretty classic background in, in uh, sell-side M&A and uh, had a private equity gig uh, in New York before coming, to, before coming to Chicago and finding a similar role at High Street. Great. Well, welcome to Chicago. Of course. Thank and you. we're very interested to kind of hear your, your market, uh, specifically current market observations. Uh, but you mentioned, you know, High Street Capital is an SBIC fund. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can kind of talk to our listeners and kind of share, you know, some of the distinct advantages to being an SBIC fund mm -hmm. and the structure. Sure, sure. So uh, SBIC, first of all, stands for a Small Business Investment Company. Um, and they are investment firms that are solely focused on supporting U.S.-based small businesses and furthering the mission of the Small Business Administration of the, of the federal government which above all is to maintain and strengthen uh, this critical asset, small businesses uh, of the American economy and workforce. And when you um, say small businesses though, your investment profile, three million plus of EBITDA, yes. they're, they're emerging, growing, 
profitable, good companies mostly, uh, they're not really as small as, you know, just a two-person shop or three-person shop. That's right. They're, you want to grow them yeah, quite yeah. large. Yeah, yeah so they, they, they tend to have some some sort of platform underneath them. You know, they've, they've got some scale, some infrastructure. So three million is, is usually where we start in terms of, um, of, of EBITDA that just sort of represents that it has a firm grounding as a business. Um, but uh, small businesses are generally defined uh, up to 15 million of EBITDA and usually up to 500 employees. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot of leg room mm-hmm. and advancement um, under that's, your ownership. That, that's absolutely right. Um, so from a structuring perspective of, of, um, of SBICs, a significant portion of their committed capital is in the form of uh, debentures that are guaranteed by the SBA. Um, and they charge senior debt interest rates, so that's sort of low single digits these days. Um, and they have liquidation preference over uh, private LPs' commitments. So um, that that offers some significant advantages to a, 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 you know a lot of parties, but particularly for sellers because that's that's a rather low uh, sort of required cost of capital uh, from an LP. That, you know, typically an LP will will want 20 to 25% return, but you know these debentures are only uh, charging maybe 4%, I think is what, what we have. Um, so this is access to guaranteed capital uh, at, at a low cost, which, which sort of allows uh, our firms to pay up. Um, and uh, SBIC is exclusively small focus on, on small businesses. So when, when we engage with, with, a, with a seller, they know that that's our focus. And that based on what you're saying, also helps enhance the returns for your investors in the fund That's because right. of the lower cost of capital. That's right. And then with the owner of the business, if they continue to reinvest in the business, say they have a modest rollover equity, mm-hmm. they get to participate in that as well. That's right. That's so right. Actually, yeah. 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 It's There's there's advantages across the board. Terrific. Um, so what are you seeing in the market, Derek? Uh, you know, uh, we're into 2022. A lot of uncertainty. You yeah. can't kind of turn on the news and, yeah. you know, it's COVID still here. Employee retention, you hear. Uh, now it's oil in Russia, supply yeah. chain issues, inflation, interest yeah. rates. Uh, they may impact your debentures a little bit uh, going forward. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, what is, what is your perspective as we kind of embark in 2022 uh, for this first half of the year? Well, so uh, I, I think it's worth noting that you know, we're we're coming off a year in in 2021 in the M and A markets, unlike any that's re- really been seen uh, in in more than a decade. Um, there were there were dual forces that brought sellers into the market last year, which created this you know crazy volume. Um, first, there was pent up demand from transaction processes that were shelved because of COVID. So, if you remember in kind of March, April, May timeframe, there was basically nothing going on, even though a lot of sellers had had planned to come into the market. Um, and and then there was uh, some uh, concerns about whether uh, capital gains tax rates might go up effective uh, 2022. Um, those those fears abated, uh, you know, by kind of late Q3 or early, early Q4. Had a, us but investment bankers had a very busy, busy December very because busy. there was a lot of uncertainty still about yes, that. Uh, yes, yes, That may have changed, so yeah, there, but you're right. Yeah. So, so there were these two big forces that were driving sellers into the market, and it certainly helped uh, that market conditions were con- conducive to executing transactions. So uh, there were low interest rates. Um, you know, they, they weren't very high to begin with, but once once COVID hit, they drove them, you know, the Fed drove them back down to basically uh, 2008, 2009 levels. 
Um, there were large amounts of uninvested capital at private equity firms, including ours. Um, and there were high equity valuations after, you know, public markets went down about 30% in the immediate wake of the pandemic, but they recovered rather quickly um, to essentially continue this kind of 10% uh, annual return pace. Um, so it's it's going to be hard for 2022, uh, you know, knowing that and, and also knowing that there's a little bit of geopolitical uncertainty at the moment, to, to put it mildly, um, that for 2022 to meet or exceed what we saw last year. Um, but we still think there will be significant activity, um, particularly since sellers who intended to enter the market kind of in the second half of last year essentially couldn't get any attention from CPA firms, from investment bankers, from yeah, lawyers. We all resource light on the professional side a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Uh, everyone so whatever was, could get pushed got pushed a little bit uh, uh, further down the line. Yeah, so, so there, was, there were capacity constraints uh, among service providers, advisors, um, and diligence providers to really, if somebody wanted to come into the market, they essentially had to wait. Um, and and so uh, we'll, we'll see some pent up demand from from sellers who intended to enter the market in in the second half. I, I, I anticipating that those deals will will largely come to market kind of late Q1, early Q2, um, and 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 so and business owners are acutely aware of you know, the work it takes to survive a black swan event like the COVID pandemic. Um, yes, and which is selling. still going on. And yeah. we're two years and counting now. In yeah. terms of deal flow, though, uh, uh, Derek, what kind of, um, are you guys still seeing a, a, a pretty robust volume uh, of new opportunities entering in the market where you guys are getting a look at High Street? Uh, has that slowed down a little bit or with the anticipation of it picking up? I would, I would characterize it as... Uh, Slower than what we saw kind of Q3, early Q4 last year, but still significant. Okay. You know, there there were a lot of deals that I think, uh, at least from the, uh, you know, sell side that were, I think priority was just getting deals done by the end of uh, last year. And now we're in a bit of a period where year-end numbers are getting finalized, marketing, material, marketing materials are getting touched up. So, um you know, we, we haven't seen it with quite that force. It's not to say it's dropped off. It's it's still significant. But, you know, we're, we're comparing it to such a high bar that, you know, we're we're probably going to see it, um, you know, pick up, I think, towards the end of Q1 and, and uh, early Q2. No, and we agree with that. I, I think uh, from an investment banker perspective, and we'll talk about that in a future podcast, uh, um, we're at capacity. We're seeing higher quality deals, and hopefully you're seeing the same thing as you're reviewing opportunities, more higher quality opportunities coming to market. Uh, um, I know last year was a very strong year for High Street. Uh, um, I saw some posts uh, from uh, your colleague and founder, Joe, uh -huh. uh, who I know very well, uh, mm -hmm. about a strong 2021. What can you tell us about that? Uh, what were some of the highlights in 2021 for you? Well, I mean, it, I, I guess what what I can say about uh, 2020, us in 2021, is that we have, I think, done a masterful job of uh, navigating what has become a very seller-friendly market. Uh, you know, it's, it, and I'm sure that's good news for the investment banking side of side of the world. Uh, we hope it stays that way. We're, we're, we're we've noticed that over the past few years, uh, you know, sort of standard deal terms, essentially what sort of become ex expectation. Um, it has has become more seller friendly. Um, some examples being, you know, sort of the default being a stock deal rather than asset deal. Uh, you know, high valuations, aggressive leverage, 
more kind of no indemnity type deals or, or uh, requirements for uh, rep and warranty insurance um, and, and just lighter due diligence requirements and quicker paths to closing. Um, and, you know, you, you would think in a vacuum that, that that would give a buyer pause, you know, and kind of like a, hey, slow down type uh, type attitude. But um, and, and look, we ultimately have to be comfortable with the, the risks and opportunities of an investment before closing on something. But we have largely been able to uh, you know, get, get stuff done in, in an environment that has been quite favorable to sellers. Um, and we closed five platform investments uh, in, in 2021. Congratulations and, on that. Thank you. Yeah, that's it's, a, it's, a large number yeah. for your group. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, the I think the high watermark for uh, uh, for any one calendar year for us uh, before 2021 was two. So we more than we more than doubled our our, our volume. That's outstanding. Yeah, yeah. and um, and we also were able to get an add-on acquisition done for one of the platforms that we closed in September, Trainmac, uh, done by twelve thirty one. So so we were we we were active to put to put it mildly. Um, we we were able to um, you know bring our capital invested to uh, I think between sixty and seventy percent, um, which is basically right on target with our investment pace. Uh, you know, given the year that our fund closed, um, you know our our investments themselves uh, spanned a very wide range of sectors and service types, um, which, you know, is sort of by design. Um, we want to make sure that our portfolio is, is somewhat de-risked because, you know, we might be headed towards, um, you know, some turbulence, uh, economically. It's hard to, hard to say. But you did mention, Hey, valuations are higher and they've been at peak. We exited 2021 at a high, uh, at, at a high watermark, I think, for valuations. Uh, they still seem to be staying that way based on the transactions we have in process. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one of the ways for you guys to kind of enhance returns uh, is by focusing on those add-on investments. Because mm-hmm. as you continue to go stro- sw- smaller in the uh, deal size range, values do come down and you're able to have that accretion in, uh, um, in equity and uh, uh, when you acquire if you acquire smartly uh, with your add-on acquisitions, and you guys do have a fair amount of ramp-up time to still kind of fit into the, you know, SBIC small business uh, thresholds uh, there. That's, um, that's right. Um, you know, when we think of high street capital, um, are there any other, you know, attributes that you want to highlight uh, that maybe set, sets your firm apart from the competition? You mentioned you have, you know, kind of a diverse staff. You, have, mm-hmm. you know, nine nine total employees, but some are operating, some are on the investing. That's you, right. Do you want to kind of comment on, you know, yeah. how you're helping uh, these small businesses grow under your stewardship? Yeah, that's right. So we, um, I mentioned that we have operating partners, and and that that's sort of one of the main reasons that that uh, we've noted that sellers choose to partner with us, even when other options with competitive offers or competitive terms exist. It's, it's sort of our demonstrated ability to help uh, management teams solve problems or execute on challenging initiatives to, to help grow their revenues and profit margins. Um, we've been very successful in, in adding value to businesses because of the vast resources and experience that our operating partners uh, bring to the table. All of them are dedicated full-time to managing high street investments. So we, we see that as a differentiator because a lot of um, opera- operationally oriented uh, PE firms will often have kind of a uh, maybe a revolving door, you might want to call it, of sort of executives and residents or or advisors that aren't sort of completely dedicated to to that one firm's uh, investments. That's not the case with us. We have we have three guys who are um, 
who's that's their job. They're they are partners in the firm. Um, they're Work with companies the, management to kind of help yeah, continue the growth and stay on track. Yeah, they're members in troubled of, times and in positive times. Uh huh. They're you know they're also uh, members of our investment committee, so they weigh in and vote on every one of our investments. Um, they sit on boards of of our portfolio companies and are usually the 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 first line of communication with with our management teams. Um, you know, they'll often hold weekly calls with with uh, senior executives, if you know, if not more frequently. Um, you know, the we we on the investment side also look kind of at a monthly basis at their at their financials. But we, you know, it's it is a um, our our hands on efforts are uh, very much start with our operating partners because they they are the most fluent in sort of speaking the language of of the management teams and act as a very effective conduit uh, between between sponsor and company. Um, Terrific. We we found that sellers have been very pleased with this sort of management style uh, because more often than not they've actually been able to realize even even if we buy a buy control up front you know more often than not they've been able to realize significantly more value from their rollover equity uh, when we exit uh, than when they sell to us at our entry so we've we've done a nice job of persuading folks and part kind of, of that on. is that SBIC structure part of where it, you're yeah. utilizing a lower cost of capital mm-hmm. that everybody enjoys part, um, part of it is that but but also it's it's just the fact that we um, you know, we put the business on firmer footing when we when we exit than than when we than we enter. I mean, we we invest in strong businesses to begin with, but they become stronger when we exit. And so, you know, a lot of times that means just higher EBITDA. Sometimes that means higher multiples. Uh, you know, because we've we've done things uh, like diversifying in market exposures or adding new kind of big fish accounts or uh, you know expanding product lines. You know, all, all of which uh, sort of contribute to just greater value. Good. No, yeah, definitely you guys have been creating a lot of value uh, um, going forward. Uh, Derek, as sellers enter this continued robust environment, what other items should they consider? Well, so we think that when sellers are are considering partnering with a, with a private equity firm to either help t- take chips off the table or usher in a new chapter of growth for their business or all the above, because the number of options can seem overwhelming, uh, we'd recommend that they ask themselves the following key questions when they're meeting with private equity firms. First, will this firm do what they say they'll do? Will they follow through on a signed letter of intent and honor their agreements after closing? Um, we, we think a good way to, to sort of suss that out is to speak with prior portfolio companies, uh, executives. So, you know, companies that, that have exited. Um, can they bring value to our operation is, is another big question. Um, so pay attention to a partner's questions in a meeting, particularly those of the partner that will be closest to the business after closing, uh, and ask whether they're really speaking your language and whether their operating partners are, are either third-party consultants or, or in-house dedicated uh, resources. That's you know, a particular point of pride for us at, at High Street. And third, do they have ready access to financing so that we can avoid negative surprises late in the process? So ask about their debt and equity financing relationships and whether the firm has enough committed capital in a fund to complete a transaction. Because given the cost of doing a deal and the importance of time, you're going to want clarity on capital commitments and how much of those commitments remains to be invested. Um, so ask for specifics if a fund claims to have family investors or seems unclear about, about its sources of capital. Um, you know, we, we think that we are differentiated on all three of those points. But in general, these are, these are uh, really good questions for sellers to ask themselves to make sure that they're partnering with the right folks. I agree. 
Well, Derek, thank you very much for your time today. And thank you, High Street Capital. Of course. Uh, thank you, MBBI, the Enclave Learning and Earning Center, and Studio 75 for hosting us today. This is Greg Wolfen with Whipley Corporate Finance Advisors signing off for MBBI. Thank you and enjoy the day.